0: Welcome to another episode. We got Chababi back in the building after a, a hiatus. What's up, man?
1: Hiatus. What's <laughs> up, man? Glad to be back. Glad to be talking ball again. Glad that it's uh, the NBA season is back, so it's good.
0: For now. We were just, before we started recording, talking about KD having to miss four games because of not even him testing positive, but hopefully the, season is, the season's back for now. So keep our fingers crossed and trust in the, the NBA to get keep the season going we're basically like eight I think most teams have played like seven or eight games already so a little over like 10 percent of the way into the season so just right off the bat what's one either team or like storyline in general that has kind of like stuck out to you so far this season
1: uh well I have my eyes mostly on the Clippers just because of how their season ended last year we all know they blew the 3-1 lead and then they ousted Doc So now we got Ty Lue in the mix and I'm really excited to see how he implements the offense with uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And I want to see how Paul George can bounce back from a rough last year uh, where people were, you know, well, he had those two injuries on his shoulders. He had those surgeries. So I'm wondering if he's going to be back full health, like prime, uh, Paul George, because he just got his money, he just signed that extension, so he's locked in for a while, so he needs to prove to himself, the league, and m- mainly to Kawhi, to convince Kawhi to stay and be a clipper with him for the future. So he needs to ball out this year, and he has been playing pretty well this year as of uh you know the uh, six or seven games that they've played, so yeah, that's the storyline I'm watching, plus, I want to see how tai Lu can running offense through them they need more pick and rolls and less iso ball because i think that's what killed them last year in the playoffs was when things got tense they just decided to iso ball and you know when the shots aren't falling then that's how you lose big leads
0: and uh i mean obviously these numbers probably won't sustain the whole season but dude paul george he's he's shooting just under 50 percent, so 49.2 percent from three on like nine a game so He's been killing it recently. Uh, he just sat out uh, the game last night because they had a back-to-back, so that he's playing tonight against the Warriors. But he's been – I mean, he's been the best player on the Clippers so far through through their eight games just because Kawhi – what do you think about how Kawhi looks right now? Like, I, I don't know if he's injured, but he does look a little, like – maybe a little bit, like, dinged up or hobbled. I don't know what it is. but
1: Yeah, I think it's that collision that he had with Ibaka when he took Ibaka's uh, elbow to the face and he was bleeding all over the floor. And I think he's just adjusting to having that mask. Mm -hmm. He's had some uh, terrible shooting nights, especially against the Suns, where Paul George had to carry him that night. So I'm not worried about Kawhi. We know he's a superstar. He may not be the best player in the league, but he's in the top five. So I know that he's going to – it's basically like the law of averages. Like eventually through the 72 games in the season, it's going to average out and he's going to be that prime Kawhi that we all expect him to be.
0: Yeah, he just had a really good game last night and, and that loss to the to the Spurs. He had he had a really good game. But uh that that mask also is just weird. Like have you ever seen a mask like that? You know, it's not I don't know, it looks different. I don't know what it is, but
1: yeah, it looks a little bit different. I'm used to like the Kobe mask. Yeah. All black. And yeah. Usually when players uh wear masks, they they tend to ball out. <laughs> i think about like like mask LeBron, Mask Kyrie, Mask Kobe.
0: Even Embiid oh. had one, I think, like a year or two ago. Yeah. yeah,
1: I don't know. Like I was expecting to Kawhi for it to not like hinder his performance, but I guess it has. Maybe it I'm making excuses. Maybe he's rusty, but I think I think it will be fine.
0: It makes sense. He's already he already has like some type of you know. Windshield built into his robot suit, so like he doesn't need another mask. Maybe it's like, but he, yeah. <laughs> he also, I think it was the first game with the mask against Portland. He just took a straight elbow to the face or a shoulder to the face from Lillard too. So that I'm sure that didn't make playing in the mask any easier. But yeah, I'm sure yeah. He'll, he'll bounce back. What do you think about Especially- the guys they added though, like Ibaka and Canard uh, specifically? Because he's been he started the past couple games for them.
1: You know, when when they traded for Canard and they shipped Shamit out. I was pretty bummed because I like the Clippers. And I know Shamit's a great shooter. He didn't play that well in the playoffs. But, you know, I, I think the Clippers need a bunch of shooting. And Kennard's also a good shooter as well. But I don't think he's worth that contract that they gave Kennard. And I think maybe it was a desperate move by the Clippers, knowing that they gave up something. So they wanted to secure Kennard for the long term. And I believe he got four years, $64 do And I don't, I don't think he's worth that, honestly. You know, he played well for a bad Detroit Pistons team, you know, the pre- previous couple of years. But I feel like there's a, a lot of redundancy in the Clippers lineup where you have, like, a small forward, power forward in uh, Marcus Morris. Then you have Paul George. Then you have Kawhi. Then you have Luke Kennard.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they have a lot of uh, depth there. I don't know. I was thinking they, they could have uh, invested more in a point guard because Reggie Jackson is not cutting it. No,
0: the thing with Kennard, though, it's weird, like – Maybe we should give him a little more time, just because he is used to, you know, he spent his first three years just wasting away in Detroit, and now it's like, welcome to LA, first of all, and you have Kawhi and Paul George, like, and a team that you know is expecting it's get to the finals at least, or it's a disappointing season. So now it's like these minutes that you play and the shots you take, they're not just in empty, they're in empty arenas. So I'm sure he's not phased by that because he's probably used to that in Detroit, but like you mentioned, he's a good shooter too. He's a different type of shooter than Shamit, but at least through the first part of the season, he's shooting 43% from three and Shamit's at 23%. Now I'm sure again, like you mentioned, those will even out, but he has, that's been the one thing Kennard has been doing is knocking down threes. And yeah, maybe they just have to get used to playing with him. He has to get used to playing with them. And the thing with him, it was weird. I thought him and Lou Williams specifically, like they kind of are really similar type players so I wasn't sure how that was going to work but I mean if they want Canard to start then I guess Tyloo has his work cut out for him at least with like figuring out the lineups that's for yeah sure.
1: I don't think Canard should start at any given night unless someone's injured because I kind of like that uh starting lineup with Ibaka at the center mm-hmm. and that's an underrated pickup actually is Ibaka you let's say you replace uh Zubac and Harrell because Harrell went to the Lakers obviously So imagine a floor spacer. That's something that Harrell and uh, Zubak do not have. And he opens up a lot of the lanes for uh, Kawhi and Paul George to isolate. Mm -hmm. So if they ever get caught in isolation, they can just kick it out to Ibaka. And Ibaka has been improving his three his whole career. So he's a steady three-point shooter. So I think that'll pay dividends for them in the playoffs. But, I mean, the big thing with this team is, Let's not get too excited in the regular season for them. It all comes down to the playoffs, and they have to get past the second round. There's no, there's no if-ands or buts about it. I think if they don't get past the second round, Kawhi's gone. That's just how I think.
0: And, it's, and you can see how big of an impact Ibaka's having on the Clippers. And then you just look to the team that he left, the Raptors, and they're like, I think they have the second worst record in the entire league. And he he brings that, you know, veteran. Like he has obviously he won a. A championship with Kawhi so that's just another guy that in the playoffs you know you you can count on um but like with Paul George even like the hot start to the season that we mentioned like it's good to see that from him but no one is really gonna you know get off of his case until we see him putting up those numbers in in the playoffs like consistently too not just like every other game
1: yeah definitely and you've seen that with the game against the Suns or a couple nights ago where Devin Booker was talking trash to Paul George <laughs> Well, maybe his, uh, you know, his ego has been bruised and he wants to get back at him because I don't think players fear him anymore. They they see him and they see him as a weak, uh, a weak mindset player who makes excuses. And, you know, you can go on YouTube and check up compilations of Paul George's excuses and stuff like that. So, you know, he needs to really lock in the season and prove to the NBA that he's like a top 15 player
0: yeah I agree and then right before before we move on to the Clippers we we would be doing a disservice to them if we didn't just mention Batum who I completely thought was just gonna not help them at all but he's actually been like one of their better players he starts he he's knocking down three is like a ridiculous percentage and we haven't seen this Batum in like four years basically
1: he was banged up uh, when he signed that big contract for the Hornets and yeah that's another uh kind of like redundant player, like small forward, power forward player that the Clippers have depth in that position. But Batum knows what he has to do. He just has to play good defense. The lanky defender that he is and then knock down the corner threes. And he's been doing that so far. The big thing with him is if he
0: can stay healthy. Cause he's, he's not old, but I think he's 32. So not young either, but he's been, he's been perfect for the Clippers just because Morris has been out the whole, you know, this far into the season. And, Batum's just been perfect, you know, fill him in. And again, like I mentioned with Ty Lu having his work cut out for him, when you get Morris back, like if he's not knocking down threes, then do you see Batum steal some of his minutes or what did they do there? But, um, okay, let me just mention some my favorite storyline so far into the season. The Lakers have been pretty boring just cruising, so I'm not going to mention them yet. Um, but it's got to be the other big market team, not the Nets, the Knicks, who are just – on fire like they won tonight they beat the jazz so they're five and three now i don't know if that even counts their win tonight i wouldn't bet on them you know finishing in the top six or five in the east but they look like a team that's you know going to be fighting for the for the play-in tournament they have
1: uh i know that randall is pretty much carrying that team at this point and if randall's your best player i don't think you're gonna make the playoffs honestly <laughs> but uh i think th- things It's like law of averages, like I mentioned earlier. Austin Rivers is playing pretty well. He's shooting about 46% from three in three games. Uh, He's also shooting 57% from the field. So, yeah, for the Knicks, I like their coach and Tom Thibodeau. You know, he's a defensive-minded head coach. He's had success where he's been coached uh, with the Bulls. So I think that's what the Knicks need. They're a very young team. They need that discipline on the defensive side. And he'll teach them how to win close games. Now, you know, every year there's always a team that comes out the gate and does pretty well in the first 10 games. Mm-hmm. But can they sustain it over, you know, 70, 70 games? I don't know. I think they're too young. I like Mitchell Robinson as, as they're big. He's a good defensive center. But other than that, I don't see the pieces really fitting. I think they're about, they're going to fall off mid season or so. But I do like how they're playing within these first uh, six or seven games.
0: It definitely – that's why I did like. I don't think it'll sustain, but it is nice to see them come out and not just be like, "Well, everyone thinks we suck." They're they're kind of like taking that, you know, that disrespect and be like, "Oh yeah, watch this!" Like, and they beat the thing is it's not like they've just beaten up on other bad teams. Like they have, I think what they beat the Bucks, who had their whole team playing. Like I just mentioned the uh, the Jazz, and I'm pretty sure they. I mean, they beat like the Cavs, some other teams who like have had a hot start i mean it looks real so far but like you mentioned not being sustainable the minutes per game just that some of these guys are playing is ridiculous well, that's
1: what Tom Thibodeau does he he grinds the starters into the ground and by the end of the, the season they're all burnt out because he doesn't play a bench he has like an eight-man rotation
0: and yeah that's that's his thing and again like that'll work for however long but don't be surprised if you know Julius Randle and Alfred Payton and RJ Barrett, like guys who have been playing serious minutes and actually putting up good numbers if they pick up nagging injuries here or there, especially with this weird, like, shortened season. Maybe, maybe Thibodeau is just like thinking he's one step ahead of all of us. Where we mentioned the weird schedule, how like you stay in a city and play the same team twice to cut down on travel. Maybe with that reduced travel, guys actually will be able to play. More minutes per game, so maybe he's he's playing chess and we're playing checkers. But
1: but that's he's been like that his right, whole, yeah. <laughs> whole coaching career. So maybe yeah, within this context of the t- this time, yeah, it works out for him. You know, with it, even with him with the Timberwolves, it didn't work out. They they established him as like, oh, he's gonna come save us and bring us to the promised land and get us to the playoffs, which he did that one year when the Timberwolves played the Rockets, I believe. And then they got like swept or won like one game. Yeah. Never really had success with them, but I believe he needs a good young team that he can mold. And the Knicks are that team. I would, I would like them to have more talent on the young end. I'm not a big believer in Kevin Knox or Mm -hmm. Frank Nittakila. I think if they draft well and, uh, and continue to see improvement from RJ Barrett, we'll have a pretty good future.
0: Okay. Here, actually last thing on the Knicks, I do want to mention. So last we saw from Tibbs was in Minnesota and, like you mentioned, it didn't work out at the end, but so I think why it didn't work out is because Jimmy Butler, we all know him as a teammate, like he's not going to tolerate, you know, you being too cool for school and not putting in like, you know, the work and the practice court and all that. Yeah. And with Wiggins and Cat, those are two guys who are like number one pick. Like I'm super, you know, just God given talent. Like I don't, maybe I don't need to work that hard with the Knicks and the team that Tibbs has now. It's kind of like the opposite. It's all these like cast off former lottery picks you know like like Julius Randle and uh even R.J. Barrett has gotten critiqued a lot even though he's only played one year and it's like it's kind of the opposite mindset like these guys are trying to work because a lot of people have given up on them already so I, I'm, I'm not a Knicks fan I've you know been to New York City once but like here I am just sound like sounding like the biggest Knicks fan ever
1: <laughs> yeah that's true I think the NBA is better when the big market teams do well like, when Carmelo was with the Knicks, I thought that was cool.
0: That was fun. Because,
1: you know, that big market was booming, and you you got to see, like, those big uh, matchups, like, between the Knicks and the Heat. Mm-hmm. And the NBA is just a lot more interesting than maybe, say, like, the Bucks as a powerhouse team.
0: For as cool as it is when a superstar like Giannis stays with a small market team, it is still cool to see the, the big market teams being good because, like you mentioned, those – the like primetime matchups and the historical arenas and everything just becomes, I don't know, it just becomes like more of a spectacle and that's just fun to watch, but okay. So those are our kind of just two like main storylines that have stuck out. What are some other teams other than maybe the Clippers and the Knicks who, who have surprised you so far with maybe kind of, you know, outperforming what you expected from them going into the year?
1: I wouldn't say outperforming because they have a losing record right now, but I do like, the pickups that the Rockets got in the offseason. So I like how they signed DeMarcus Cousins. I think he still has something left to prove, and he can be a serviceable starting center or backup center because he's very versatile. He still plays with that, you know, mean mug Mm -hmm. edge, and he can still uh, spot up and shoot the three as well. And I think all those pieces, they work well together. I like John Wall taking the burden off of James Harden. The big thing is making James Harden stay and keeping him motivated throughout the whole season. And the biggest acquisition for them of all was Christian Wood. Um, This guy, you know, he's been playing really well. He played really well last season with the Pistons. No one heard about him because he was playing with the Pistons, Mm -hmm. but he got a good, he got a big contract with them. And you know, he's been playing. He's been averaging over uh, 23 points a game for the Rockets. So that's a very underrated pickup. And you know you still have the the key pieces there with Harden, Eric Gordon, and P.J. Tucker. I think they're a much deeper team than they were last year, and I like that how they got rid of uh, Russell Westbrook in place of John Wall.
0: And I think they will be a deeper team once they just have they've gotten hit with the whole COVID uh, stuff the hardest for sure, and so that's why you see like tonight they lost a super close game to Indiana, which Indiana has been falling out. So it's not a bad loss by any means, but like David Nwaba had to play 37 minutes. This dude, a rookie, Jayshon Tate, had to play 24. So that's not what you want, but they're still, I mean, two and four, and they're at least competitive in these games. So I think once they get everyone back, and of course, they're going to take some time to gel because John Wall and Harden have to figure out how that works. John Wall hasn't even played in the NBA in like two full seasons, and they're an interesting team to watch. And if they don't end up, like, I think heading into the year, I, I was thinking if they had Harden the whole year, they would be locked in at least like six, five seed maybe. Now it looks like they'll probably drop a little bit just because of all this kind of weird stuff that's popped up. But they're going to be a team that if they're like the eight seed or seven seed, they're going to be a, an annoying matchup for whoever has to see them in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, if they're clicking on all cylinders and they're like a seven or eight seed, I would not want to play them, definitely. Because you know Harden can drop 50 any game. <laughs> and I think that because of John's Wall's presence, he can slow down Harden from being too much of a ball hog because John Wall's always going to have the ball in his hands as well. Mm-hmm. And he can push the pace just as well as Russell Westbrook could. I think he's just as fast as Russell Westbrook, if not faster. So, And John Wall's playing with a chip on his shoulder because he hasn't played for over two years. So he's got something to prove. If you're talking like James Harden averaging 30, Christian Wood averaging 20, John Wall averaging 20, that's a pretty tough starting lineup to go against.
0: And then, like you mentioned, Eric Gordon, he's a guy that could get you 20 in any random game. Same with, I mean, Cousins looks. Obviously, he doesn't look like what he used to. But I mean, who who would look like they used to after those two just crazy, in, like two of the worst injuries you can get, especially as a as a big, like a you know, really big player. Like I don't think anyone expected him to look like prime Boogie, but he he should still be able to help them out and still give you some of those like throwback games every once in a while. Yeah. Um. Okay, the team, my surprise team. Huh, I don't want to say. I don't want to talk about the Magic too much, just because they're just boring. But we got to shout them out because they are six and two. Oh, also, Markel Fultz tore his ACL today, so that sucks because he was he was having a really good year. So it's like even the basketball gods don't want to see the Magic do well because that's Jonathan Isaac tears his ACL last year and then Fultz this year, and they're still they're still gonna make the playoffs and still just be a super solid team the whole year. But I'll go with the Pacers. They're six and two. Also, dude Sabonis is like. If you're doing, I know it's kind of stupid to do an MVP ladder this early, but Sabonis would be up there right now, like top two or three, because he's been—he got super jacked too over the off season, so he's just yeah, he
1: gained a lot of muscle. I seen that. I seen one photo of him flexing. I was like, dude, what kind of diet are you on?
0: I think that was—he hit a, a game winner over, like a layup over against the Celtics, I think, and just was screaming and flexing. And it was like, oh dang, this dude has been in the weight room. But he also still has all of his. You know, like the European finesse game too, where he could just hit you with like when he has I love watching him because when he has any type of mismatch in the post, he just like immediately all right, get it to Brogdon or a point guard, let me post up, good position, and then boom, just hit you with this like three step move and you're just completely out of the play layup. You
1: have, you have to remember who his dad was. I mean, mm-hmm. when he when played for the Trailblazers, you can like look up his uh, dad. I mean, he was an amazing player. He had so so much finesse for a big man and you could pass the ball really well. So I, I know for a fact, like, you know, he learned all that from his Mm -hmm. father.
0: Yeah. He's, he's definitely a guy where like, guy, you know, people our age wouldn't know about him, but we've just heard so much, like, you know, so many stories about him and he's, it's funny. This is how the NBA used to be. So Sabonis' dad, I think it's like Arvidas. Yeah. Arvidas. He didn't come, he didn't come over to the NBA until he was 31 years old. So that's our, like, you know, nine, ten plus years of playing, in these crazy uh, European leagues, where it's like still really good competition, and they also just play a lot more games, I think. So he obviously wasn't in his prime when he came over, but his first year in the NBA, when he was thirty-one, he still put up uh, fifteen and eight rebounds a game, and then he had one year sixteen points, ten boards, three assists per game. Yeah, you see where he gets the the skill and all. You know,
1: yeah, that was one of the uh, biggest NBA's what ifs if if his dad in his prime had gone to the NBA. Yeah. And it's
0: funny because it's one of the biggest what ifs and. The answer to that question is right in front of us. Like we're saying, yeah. oh, probably would have looked something like this. But, but yeah,
1: the, the Pacers are, uh, they're a solid team, definitely. I just hope that they could find some playoff success because they've been getting bounced out of the playoffs mm-hmm. a lot when Nate, Nate McMillan was a coach. That's why he got fired because they had no success in the playoffs. So, I mean, hopefully Victor Oladipo can re- regain his form before the injury a couple years ago. And I believe he's on the contract year as well. Mm-hmm. So he's,
0: he's looked good. He's looked good so far this year. Uh, I just want to see. He's at, oh yeah, I mean, 21, six boards, uh, about five assists per game. Good shooting number. So, yeah, he, he looks really good, actually. Just, we got to, you know, see him keep it up just because we haven't seen him stay healthy in a while.
1: I mean, you have that with uh, Brogdon. who's always been a solid player, high-efficiency player. You can get Oladipo back to an all-star form. And then you have Sabonis, who's already an all star. And then you had TJ Warren, who was killing the bubble last year. If that guy can, you know, sustain his production or just keep it to like 17, 18 points a game, that's also a scary lineup to go against.
0: That's a lot of scorers and playmakers. And then I I agree, like TJ Warren and Oladipo, if both of them can put up, you know, start, you produce at the same time, then either one of them also becomes like a really intriguing trade ship too because like you mentioned with Oladipo being on a contract year if someone wants to someone would probably give up a lot for him and like a sign-in trade if he keeps putting up these numbers and then Warren could be the same type of player where you can maybe try and trade him for someone that fits better like maybe someone who's more of like a three and d wing just because they might have the scoring covered if if you're getting like 20 each from Sabonis, Brogdon, and Oladipo then yeah, they have. That's good problems to have for yeah, for the Sabonis front has office.
1: A lot of room to grow as well because he's so young. He, Look, yeah, it was a good trade for the for the Pacers when they gave up Paul George. Looking back in retrospect, they probably oh, yeah. won that trade.
0: Oh yeah, that's a great trade, especially with Sabonis's trajectory so far. He's only he's only 24, and he made an All Star team last year. I would say, as long as he doesn't get hurt, he's a lock already this year. Just. Yeah. With the numbers he's putting up and how good their record is, so yeah, that's what's. Uh, do you have any other teams that kind of stuck out to you, like uh, on a on a positive note? And then we'll get to the the disappointing teams because there are a handful.
1: Well, I can't overlook what uh, the Sixers are doing. I think they have the best record in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seth Curry was a huge pickup from Dallas last year. The man is uh, shooting over fifty four percent from three and fifty six percent from the field. Uh, I got to give props where props are due. You know, he came into the league. He was a fringe bench player. I think he went to the G League. Mm -hmm. And to build yourself up like that and to have a sustainable NBA career through all that uh, hardship is pretty crazy. And, you know, that's what the Sixers were lacking last year was shooting. They got rid of Jason Richardson because he wasn't shooting that well for them. Replace that production with Seth Curry. And you see that. This Sixers team is one of the best records in the NBA, and Joel Embiid is back to All-Star form, and Tobias Harris is shooting efficiently as well. Ben Simmons still doesn't want to take three-pointers, but you know he's he's still putting up pretty good numbers for Ben Simmons, and uh, Shake Milton also has been pretty well. Mm-hmm. Been doing pretty well. He was a bright spot for them last year. I remember when he lit up the Clippers for like yeah. over thirty or for forty. I, think
0: might have, I, I hope this is wrong. I think it was fifty. It was at least forty. It was yeah,
1: a 40. It was crazy. Like who is this guy? No <laughs> one heard of him. He was lighting up like Kawhi Leonard and Paul yeah. And then uh, they also signed Dwight Howard, who mm-hmm. is incredibly underrated. He was a bargain bin signing for the Lakers last year, and he was super efficient. You know, one of those players you don't want to go up against because you know he's just going to do some, like, dirty, cheap shots when the refs aren't watching. And it's going to be a headache for uh, people when he comes off the bench. So you got that Twin Towers with Embiid, and then you throw in Dwight Howard off the bench, you know. And they have the shooting around him. If Danny Green could play a little bit better than he has been playing, that'd be a definite plus for them. So they have all the weapons there to make a deep run.
0: Dude, Seth Curry has been better than they could have even imagined, I'm sure. I mean, those oh. numbers are insane. But the thing is, for him, they're also not, like, crazy outliers. Like, he's he's had some ridiculous uh, three-point shooting seasons. So, like, they'll probably drop a little bit. But, I mean, they're still going to be – he's going to be around, like, 50% from three when the season's done, I feel like.
1: Yeah, even if you get 45%, that's a mm-hmm. really high percentage. So you'll yeah. take that in – Either in your starting lineup or coming off the bench, you'll take Mm -hmm. that every day.
0: And look at—I mean, forty-five percent. So last year with with Dallas, he was forty-five point two percent on five attempts per game, and that's in sixty-four games. So not just like you know a five or ten-game sample size. So
1: he's—we know he can shoot. We know you know what his bloodline is. Mm -hmm. So,
0: (laughs) and he's not just a like he has to just catch and shoot, right? He he has actually been—he's been a pretty good playmaker for the for the Sixers this year. He's. he's averaging almost four assists per game so it's like he's definitely been more of like a slow developer than Steph was but that's unfair to compare but now I mean Seth Curry's still only 30 and like if he is he if he's averaging 15 points four assists on those crazy shooting numbers that's that's literally exactly what the the Sixers needed. like that's the best case scenario for what they were missing last year
1: yeah and I really thought last year like Jason Richardson would have stepped up and be that three and D player that they needed him to be but He just didn't show it at all. And now Mm -hmm. he's with Dallas, and he's not shooting well there either.
0: Yeah. It's like he's – Josh Richardson is probably a slightly better just overall basketball player than Seth Curry. But for what the Sixers needed, he just didn't fit at all. Like they already had a bunch of okay shooters, you know. Like Tobias Harris and Embiid can hit threes. Like they'll have a couple games where they hit like four or five. But they're definitely not guys that you really – love them just jacking up threes where seth curry now is just even danny green he's been shooting terrible from three this year just kind of continuing what laker fans watched last year but he's at 30 percent barely over 30 percent and
1: that's what he's known for man it's
0: yeah and the thing is he's still like he's still living off that reputation a little bit because teams still are like like the coaches you know coaches like when he's open they're like oh shit like get out there get out there and then he usually bricks it but at least, you know, if he could live off that reputation a little longer, he'll get – you know, he'll hit – he'll start hitting more threes. Like, that was my thing when he was just breaking everything for the Lakers last year. I was like, he wouldn't be in the NBA and, you know, be known as this type of player if he shot 20% from three. Like, he's going to get those numbers up to at least, like, 33%, 34%, I would imagine. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, that would be really below league average. I just remember <laughs> when he was on the Spurs, dude, him lighting it up in the finals. Like every shot he took was just money, not even hitting the rim. So I still have those memories of him. So hopefully he can turn it around and just be like a decent three-point shooter. He doesn't even have to shoot over 40, just be like 38,
0: 37%. Yeah. Even if he could get to league average, which is 36, like that would be perfect for them because yeah. all, they just need guys. They just need people to that you have to respect as an opponent. And then that just opens everything else up for, for Embiid and Simmons. And – if the season ended, like right now, Embiid would have to be the MVP, just best record, and he is putting up really good numbers for him. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, those are – you know, he's putting 23 and 12, mm-hmm. and I would even like to see those numbers a little bit higher, like maybe 28, 14, because I know what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. No one can guard him down low in the post, and that's a rare weapon to have, especially in today's NBA, where a lot of NBA teams don't have that post present, so they can't guard against that.
0: Yeah. And I was I was watching some of their game tonight against the Wizards, where Thomas Bryant is definitely one of the worst defensive centers in the league, but Embiid was just bullying him. Like yeah. kind of like what I mentioned with Sabonis. He was just hitting him with all I feel like it was a, a practice session for Embiid almost where he's like, What's the move I've been working on? Let's <laughs> see if it works in a real game. Oh, it worked. Like, <laughs> he, had, he had an awesome game. Um Okay, let's see. I can do – let me see if I can come up with one more surprise team and then we could switch to the, the disappointing ones. I would say I'll go with uh, – yeah, okay. I'll go with – I mean, the Phoenix Suns, actually. Five and two, I think. Are they – oh, they actually ended up winning against the Raptors today. So I think that makes them six and two now. But, yeah, I mean, I thought they were going to be better with Chris Paul, Jay Crowder. I didn't think they were going to be this good this quickly. But what have, what have you thought about the Suns so far?
1: Yeah, I think that was the main thing with the Suns. If you think about last season, they signed Rubio to that contract. Mm-hmm. And we know what they were doing. They're trying to fill that hole in the point guard spot. Well, now you filled that hole. You've taken that burden off of Devin Booker. Devin Booker doesn't have to play the point guard. Devin Booker doesn't have to run the offense the whole game, the whole season, and mm-hmm. get him tired out. You take that burden off of Devin Booker and you get a super efficient point guard in Chris Paul who plays defense and will show Devin Booker how to win, how to close out games. But it's not just Chris Paul. It's uh, it's Jay Crowder, a great signing from the Miami Heat of last year, a three and deep player. And you also have Mikael Bridges. He's a three and deep player as well. He's shooting the lights out. He's shooting over 46% from three this year. DeAndre Aiden, we know he's young and he's a stud and he's going to continue to improve. As long as he can stay healthy. And then also a, a super underrated player, I think, is uh Cameron Johnson. This guy is like six nine, six ten. He can shoot the lights out. He's been shooting since he's gotten to the league over forty percent from three and he's super efficient for the field as well. So you have all those pieces, you have Dario Saarish off the bench. Um and you have a good backup point guard in Cameron Payne, who's been proving himself. You have all the, all the ingredients to be like a fifth or sixth seed in the West. I believe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think they'll continue. You know, well, they're the they would be the two seed right now. So I, I, don't think they'll finish there. But yeah, I think it's like four. Yeah, like four would probably be their ceiling for me. But yeah, four or five, six. And I think the biggest number is you mentioned two of them, but. So, Macau Bridges, forty-six percent from three. Cam Johnson, forty, and then Sarich is at thirty-nine. Yeah. Like, if those guys are going to continue to shoot that well, then the two or three seed actually would be in play. But I guess I'm kind of banking on those numbers coming down a little bit because you look at the Suns and like Chris Paul is not averaging ridiculous numbers. Even Booker, his numbers are pretty significantly down from last year. Ayton's numbers aren't crazy at all either. I think they're actually down kind of a lot from last year too so you're like how is this even possible but it's all those other role players who i guess that's something we have to factor that into you know chris paul's like legacy once it's all said and done when we think of him as a player is he does get like he gets the most out of role players for sure
1: yeah i mean you've seen it last year with the uh with the thunder they had no business even probably even being in the playoffs honestly (laughs) And uh, i think he took the rockets to seven games
0: yeah And they – it was a crazy ending. Like, they were really – it was like a coin flip, basically, who was going to win that game.
1: Yeah, Chris Paul is – he can win. He can make a a bad team good. Mm -hmm. Can he take it to that next level? I don't think he can. I mean, especially because he's older now. So, I don't expect too much out of him. But if he plays the gritty defense that he's been playing his whole career and he gives the reins over to Booker and Booker's Mm -hmm. taking the most shots on that team, then that team is in good hands. That's – Darius Horch is also criminally underrated like he's been passed around a bit like he got traded from the Sixers and people kind of forgot about him but he can he can definitely uh he can definitely help the Suns off the bench.
0: You, I think he's also a guy that Chris Paul probably enjoys playing with just because he is a high you know high basketball IQ guy who could it's not he's only out there to score and get boards, he's a really good passer too and just makes the right play a lot. But I think that's the biggest difference between the Suns this year and the Thunder last year when it comes to the playoffs is that when it gets to, you know, like crunch time in a big game, Chris Paul really doesn't have to worry too much about the scoring because Devin Booker should – he's at that stage, you know, in his career where he should be able to basically win a game for you down the stretch. And he's hes better than Shea was last year. even you know, Shea was awesome. He just – he was not Devin Booker's level, not even close really.
1: Devin Booker, is he should be a top 20 player this, uh, this year. Mm-hmm especially we saw shades of it uh, in the bubble when they went undefeated and you hit that game winner with Paul George, you know, you kind of see him coming into his own, even when he was talking trash to uh, Paul George, like a couple of days ago, you know, I, I kind of like that out of him. You have that fire to win because he's not used to that. He's been in Phoenix for how long and they haven't won anything.
0: So he's, he's hungry. That's where he, he has to love having Chris Paul on his team now because it's like, Oh, you have one of the best point guards ever. Like, we're actually winning games, like, now now you can talk shit. Because before, you try and talk shit to a player, and they're like, bro, what's your what's your record? Oh, <laughs> yeah. 13th best record in the West? Like, yeah, don't don't say anything to
1: me. Yeah, it's got to feel good for him. Like, after all those years of losing, just mm-hmm. to finally be mentioned as, like, a playoff-type uh, team has got to be liberating to him and give him some extra motivation.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I'm excited. I'm sure it also takes it takes a little bit of time. As good as Chris Paul is, it definitely takes time to get used to playing with him when you're Devin Booker because you're used to having the ball in your hands so much. So it's just impressive that they're 6-2, and two, and they're obviously not like what they're going to be fully formed. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm- yeah. They have
1: a lot of potential. I just hope if Chris Paul can stay a couple of years there and let uh, DeAndre... Aiden and Mikael Bridges and Booker develop Mm -hmm. it'd be a really scary team because they'll be coming into their primes all together
0: yeah and Chris Paul he won't have to do anything besides be like Jason I think about like Jason Kidd on that Mavs team in 2011 that one he just has to be that like maybe not even to be honest because all those guys are all young and yeah in a couple years Booker should be he's probably what I think he's what like 26 27
1: i think he's even younger he might be oh yeah
0: he's only 24
1: 24 wow yeah.
0: so give it two years he'll be right there in his prime starting his prime so oh wow yeah as long as chris paul can keep going and just stay healthy for a few more years
1: all chris paul has to do is just be like like you said that jason kidd would just take those set shot threes mm-hmm. and just
0: make a defense <laughs> that's it just don't jump like get yeah just get easy steals still drop like he averaged like twelve assists per game or something. Yeah. But, Yeah, they're they're a fun team, and yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they look like. You know, midway through the season, see how they look. Um, okay, you want to start first? What's who's been one of the one of the most disappointing teams for you so far?
1: I'm gonna go with the Wizards. Oh yeah, I expected a lot more out of them, especially with the trade for Russell Westbrook. Bradley Beal's still getting his. He's still getting over 30 a game. Maybe it'll take time for them to mesh and develop that chemistry. Well, I, I really thought this team could have taken the A seed, and maybe they still can, but they're 2-6 and six right now. It just hasn't been that pretty for them. Westbrook is not playing well at all. He's shooting under 40% from the field and under 23% from three. Uh, it really looks like – and he's still getting triple-doubles. That's, that's the crazy thing about it. He's so energetic and so overall over the floor, but it's just not efficient. And you can see why he's been on three different teams the uh, past three seasons. But I, I still kind of have holding out hope for this team. I think uh, Ru Hachimura mm-hmm. can improve and Thomas Bryant can improve. And I like Thomas Bryant as a player. I really think he's a gifted offensive player. He's a center that can just stretch the floor and, and get easy buckets, and he's super efficient. And Davis Bertans, you know, he's off to a slow start, but I think he'll start heating up. And Bertans is super fun to watch because he'll just pull from anywhere at any given moment. Like, he doesn't care if he's pulling up from 30, 35 feet. Any shot is a good shot for Bertans, and, and I like that.
0: I I was pretty high on them, too, going into the year just because I, I did like – the Beal and Westbrook fit like on paper I thought it'd be cool I guess I just I underrated how bad their defense was going to be because they can't stop anybody like I'm looking at so all their games this year so they're what we say two uh, yeah two and and uh, six yeah what's what's the fewest points they've given up in a game I think 115 oh okay they gave up 109 to the Timberwolves without Cat so that doesn't really count but like they let the bulls score 133 on them. The magic put up 130. The the Sixers scored 141 on them tonight and the Sixers offense as much as we said they're a really good team, their offense hadn't been that great this year and the Wizards just can't guard anybody, man. And they ah it's like they have a good young core like those guys you mentioned, but they're kind of you know like in a weird spot where they need to win now because they have Westbrook, who's not getting any younger, and then Beal, who's like he could he could demand a trade at any at any time, really.
1: Yeah, they have to make this work just because they traded for Westbrook, and he's signed. He's pretty much locked in for them for the next years. And you know that uh Scott Brooks is on the hottest seat in the NBA now. They have to make this work because Scott Brooks had previous experience with Russell Westbrook when he coached the, the Thunder when Westbrook was a lot younger. So yeah, I'd really like this team like to see this team work out but is it just Westbrook being that much of a cancer I mean that's the question you have to start questioning his overall career trajectory ever since Durant left Mm -hmm. you know it's been downhill for him
0: yeah and I I mean the thing with him that just is annoying this year is that he's back to shooting threes again which I just don't get it because he was so good last year during that stretch when he just stopped shooting threes for the Rockets and now why i don't get why i go back to that when you already you know it works to not shoot threes i I just don't get that part yeah he has to make some changes because
1: and i don't the thing is i don't think he'll ever change because that's his mentality just Mm go 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 like oh yeah i'm gonna show you i'm gonna pull this three in your face and hit this game winner that will never be unlearned yeah he has a killer instinct but it's not working you know it's not it's not efficient it's not winning games it it gives you stats you're getting the triple doubles you're getting you know all these awards but at the end of the day what's the team success
0: and the thing is like we've seen i guess yeah last year the rockets are kind of hard to really say what they were last year based off what happened to them in the playoffs just because russ was injured and then had covid and there's just a whole weird ending but yeah it hasn't it hasn't been great the number it's just so funny like looking at his numbers this year you're like oh 21 11 12 like he must be killing it. And then you already mentioned the field goal percentages, but you look over yeah. at that and you're like, oh, oh God, like what? 21 points on those numbers. Like how many times is he shooting? He's shooting 20 times a game.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he, he has to really humble himself and think of himself. Not as a first option, not even as a second option. Like he has to be the third or fourth option for this mm-hmm. to work. And he has to cut down on the shots. I don't mind him driving to the lane always. And, you know, putting his head down, going for those, uh, Layups and try to draw contact, but the 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 three point shooting has to stop at this point. You can't be shooting f- over four three pointers a game and and making one of them. So like, it's just not not winning basketball.
0: Yeah, it's so bad. And like you mentioned, it, it might just be like that's for all the good that he gives you as a player. You just have to take that with the bad. Like there's no one without the other Cause there was a, a play against – they they ended up beating the Nets, but they got pretty lucky to win that game. But Russ takes a three, bricks it, but he's still standing there with, like, his form held. And his guy – I forget who it was. It was maybe Shamit or somebody or Joe Harris just goes by him and gets an outlet pass and gets a wide-open layup because he's standing there looking at his brick three-pointer yeah. and not getting back. It, it's like, what? Dude, what are you doing, man? Like, I know I – I don't know what. He's trying to, like – he's on a revenge tour because – things ended ugly in houston or what but
1: i mean things end ugly every anywhere like even with durant it it ended ugly you know yeah pissed off when durant left which i don't blame him especially when durant leaves for the warriors Mm -hmm. but yeah you just have to think like if think about your favorite team in the nba whatever it may team it may be and then ask your self this question would you want russell westbrook on your team and i would say no
0: yeah what teams would he like every team kind of has a reason to say no you know yeah like, the good teams don't want to mess up their chemistry and even a team like if you look at the bottom of the league like even the timberwolves they'd be like no because that's just taking shots away from uh you know d'angelo russell and cat and now anthony edward there yeah. might not be any other team out there which
1: <laughs> they just might be stuck in like purgatory with the with the wizards for
0: the yeah. rest of the year. man but uh yeah so hopefully he could reinvent himself but it's just been so many years of the same thing now that it's kind of hard to hold on to that hope
1: yeah exactly he is who he is now that's what yeah. i'm I'm thinking like
0: yeah okay i'll go with there's two teams here okay so it's it comes down to the mavericks and the nuggets for me but i i'll go with the nuggets just because the mavericks don't have porzingis yet so maybe not fair to tear them down too much just because that's like that's their second best player but yeah Denver's three and four I think two of those losses are to the uh to the Kings I think they lost twice to them mm-hmm. and then yeah the Suns and the Clippers so like the Kings losses aren't great but the Suns and Clippers aren't terrible but I don't know they just were coming off that you know great uh run to the conference finals I don't think it was a fluke but I think people, like, we were kind of quick to forget how close they were to being out in round one. That Mike Conley shot was, like, 90% of the way into the basket and then hopped out. But uh, they just haven't looked – like, Jokic has been insane. He's putting up ridiculous numbers. But Jamal Murray just hasn't been that same guy that he was in the bubble. So, I don't know. They're mis- it seems like they're really missing the guys they lost this offseason. But what do you think about, about the yeah, Nuggets? I,
1: I, when I think of the Nuggets, I kind of think of, like, uh, Jeremy Grant. And How he left to the Pistons, he's trying to get his payday obviously, not about winning. But uh, you know, I don't blame him, I, I would go do the same thing, but um, yeah, Burry's been disappointing a little bit this season. His stats aren't that bad, I think. This team has enough firepower to, to make the playoffs at least. They might be a first round exit just because you know. They they still have Paul Millsap, which I thought they weren't going to resign him. He didn't play well for them last year at all. He played well for them when he was with the Clipper. In the Clippers, one of those mm-hmm. games, he helped them out. But he's aging, so you don't want to really rely on Paul Millsap. I mean, your top three options are, like you said, Jokic, Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. And kind of like I predicted last year, like I, I thought Michael Porter Jr. was going to bust out, and he kind of, he did in the in mm-hmm. the bubble. So he earned himself a bunch of minutes. And I think he's he's going to evolve into one of those players where he's going to be their top op- option. It may not be this year. It may be in, like, two, three years from now. But I think offensively they have the firepower to keep up with um, most of the teams in the league. And I do like their addition of uh, Jamichael Green from mm-hmm. the Clippers last year. He was a deadly three-point shooter off the bench for the Clippers. And, and that was a good addition to kind of uh, – put a Band-Aid on the Jeremy Grant leaving. It's, they're a solid team. Gary Harris needs to definitely step up. I mean, he was injured last, in the bubble last year. He didn't play well. And he st- st- still seems like he has a bunch of rust because he hasn't been playing that well this year. But if Gary Harris can get back to what he was normally, which I think he can, um, they're they're still a solid team that will make the playoff.
0: It's weird, like every I feel like every year it's just you know waiting for Gary Harris to kind of emerge as that as the guy that you know we thought he was going to be when he got drafted. But I don't know at a certain point it's just like maybe he isn't that guy. But I do think so. The guys that they lost so so Tory Craig played 19 minutes a game for them last year. Uh, even Plumley was at 17, and then Jeremy Grant obviously started most of the season or for a good amount of the season it was at like 27 a game. So that's even though none of those guys are like superstar players in their own, right. That's still three guys who played significant minutes and had, you know, pretty big roles on the team, especially defensively. Like those are probably the three best defenders on the nuggets last year. Maybe. I was
1: about to say, what do all those three people have in common? They hang their hat on defense.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, Maybe this is one of those things where it's like a pretty simple explanation. Like, why do the Nuggets suck on defense? Oh, because their three best defenders from the team last year are off the team. (laughs) Yeah. Makes sense. And
1: Jeremy Grant, uh, when he was playing against the Clippers in the playoffs, he did a great job on uh, Kawhi mm -hmm. and Paul George, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think people think of him as a lockdown defender. And, you know, he's not like – prime Kawhi or like Tayson Prince like any of those guys but he is just he's so long and like lengthy and athletic that for guys like Kawhi and Paul George who love that like mid-range pull-up he just makes life difficult on you even if you have good games it's like the shots that you get you're gonna have to really work for them yeah and even yeah. on LeBron he didn't I mean no one shuts down LeBron and he didn't by any means but he at least was like playing good defense on him which we're going against LeBron that's all you can ask for because show me anyone who's shut down LeBron even like Iguodala got that finals MVP for guarding him and then you see LeBron's numbers like oh wait (laughs) dude still I was like a triple double (laughs) I'm confused but but yeah and that sucks that Jeremy Grant left and like I'm with you like you can't fault him because he is young so it's like get your money while you're you know while you're young and healthy and then you can compete later but like going from the Nuggets to the Pistons like damn <laughs> that's a pretty yeah, huge drop off
1: dude he's, he might be the number one option at the end of the season because <laughs> they might trade like d rose and griffin yeah put a fire sale on.
0: <laughs> he is i mean jeremy grant's averaging 23 a game right now so
1: yeah
0: he looks like the number one option his his numbers aren't bad like his his shooting number so i don't know that'd be kind of funny if like two or three years down the down the road he goes back to the nuggets once he's like a fully developed player and like Jokic and murray are in their real primes and it's like yeah. don't worry guys i just i it's like <laughs> it's like the 99 cent store version of lebron leaving cleveland to grow his game and then coming back and
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i mean i don't blame him for cashing that check though dude because you yeah. never know nothing's guaranteed especially in the nba you mm-hmm. just see with bolts and his acl injury
0: and a guy like jeremy grant who's a freak athlete like especially someone like him because you saw what happened to john morant right like when you're jumping that high in the air like yeah. it gets dangerous which is always why in adult leagues my my game plan every game is just try and stay on the floor as many minutes as possible out of the 40 minutes because
1: <laughs> yeah, you never know if like someone's gonna check you in midair yep happen, so happen.
0: it's not worth it so yeah. and that and for us there's not uh what what did Jeremy Grant get? Like sixty four million. It's not sixty four million dollars on the line, but uh, okay. Do you have another disappointing team?
1: They're not like totally disappointed, I would say, but I, I'm just gonna say the Brooklyn Nets, just because I expected I expect them to have a winning record by now, and I think they're mm-hmm. about even at four and four. The thing with this is, you know, you have your two superstars in Durant and Irving, and they're doing their things. They're both shooting over fifty percent from the field and shooting well over 40% from three for both of them. So they're doing it. We just need to see more from the supporting cast. Uh, I would like to see Landry mm-hmm. uh step up a little bit and get more minutes and become kind of like a three-and-D player. Because I know – I have faith in Landry Shamit. I know he's a good shooter. I've seen him on the Clippers. I, I, they have all the pieces there to make a, a run to the championship, definitely, like. They have Jared Allen as a great center, great defensive center, who will go up and contest everything, even if he gets dunked on. They have Joe Harris, who's a knockdown three-point shooter. And, you know, you have, like, an aging DeAndre Jordan off the bench. So those are two defensive-minded centers off the bench. And you also have, like, crafty veterans like Jeff Green. So this team runs really deep. It may be just working out a couple kinks with the chemistry because even – if you assemble a team with two superstars, you know, it takes time to gel. We've seen it with uh, other situations in the NBA in the past. I just wonder about Kyrie Irving. Is Can he sustain his production that he, he's shown? And will he be able to make the right pass in the playoffs and not overshoot mm-hmm. and be inefficient in the playoffs? Because we've seen that one year when uh, he was with the Celtics and they were playing the Bucks in in the first round, and they just got demolished. And Kyrie Irving had a terrible uh, series, terrible shooting series. We need him to. I would say he needs to kind of take a backseat to uh, Durant when it's all said and done. Durant has to be taking the most shots on this team.
0: That that uh that series for Kyrie Celtics Bucks. It wasn't even just bad like the number of shots he was taking. Remember him on defense where he was, like, demanding to guard Giannis. Yeah. I <laughs> was like, wait, wait what? What? Like, I get what you're trying to do, but no, man. Like, he's, like, telling J- uh, Jalen Brown, like, yo, switch, switch. And Jalen Brown's like, what? You want me to go guard Bledsoe? Like, what What are we doing here? Yeah. Uh, I think with the Nets, like, they were – I was thinking of saying them for a disappointing team, but they are – like, I don't know. They're too new of a team, like you mentioned. And, I mean, they've had what? So, that Dinwiddie injury is huge, and then now Durant is out. So I think it's more for them. It's like if they didn't look so dominant in those first two games of the season against the Warriors and the Celtics, like if they'd have lost their first two games, it would have just been like, oh, you know, Kyrie and KD hadn't played together. It's a brand new team. Like who cares? And if they would have won, you know, four of their next whatever games, we'd be like, they look all right. But now that they've started out looking good and kind of fell back down to earth, we're like, ah, I don't know about them. But we, they're still a team like kind of trying to think of like an equivalent, kind of like, a supercharged, kind of like the Nuggets. Actually, where like their offense is insane, but they just can't guard anybody, and which is weird yeah. though, because you did mention some of those guys on the team. Like they have some defenders. I guess they just need.
1: Yeah, I'm expecting like if you have a team with like Jared Allen and Kevin Durant and Levert's not like a terrible defender, so at least like three of your five guys can can guard. So I'm not. It shouldn't be as bad as like a Washington defense.
0: Yeah. Right, they lost to the Wizard. That's the thing that makes it look so bad. And then, of course, they beat the Jazz by 34 a couple of days later without KD. So, honestly, this season is just by far the weirdest ever with like some of the score lines, right? Where just this team lost to who, but then wait, they beat who by how much the next game? Like, just the, the scary part
1: with uh, the Nets, though, is you know, if, if both Kyrie and Duran are on, there's nothing you can do. Like, both those guys can make their own shots. They can hit difficult shots, leaning shots. Yeah, it, they're they're a scary team if they're clicking, especially if you get them in the playoffs. and They're, right. just, they're just shooting lights out. I mean, there's nothing you can do.
0: That's what I was going to say is the, that team in the playoffs, though, becomes way scarier just because of that. It's like seven games. I mean, those guys are so talented that it's more likely than not that for four games they're just going to be making stupid shots where you're just like, what – Like, you you contest it, and then they make it, and you just look at the coach like, like I was there. I don't know what else I could do.
1: Exactly. That's that's what you have to say when you guard Durant. Like, I was there,
0: dude. So many shots, like, watching them where – you know how, like, do do you do that watching games where, like, someone takes a shot, and you're like, oh, that was great, D. Like, that's probably off. Yeah. Oh, that went in. Oh, all
1: right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like, how can you play that any better? You can't. I remember there was one play specifically in that Celtics-Nets game where – it was Grant Williams on KD at the top of the key. And he did that just classic move where he just goes between the legs, little hesitation, pull up three. And the whole time everyone knows, like even Grant Williams knew, like okay, he's just gonna hesitate, pull up. And he was right there, splash. Like, well, yeah. Good try, buddy. Like all you could have done was be three inches taller and jump a little higher. Like that's literally all you could have done, which that's yeah, not. Yeah,
1: that's why like when the great players like Shane Battier had a guard Kobe. <laughs> It was like, Shane Batty, like, my hand is in his face. Like, I'm literally touching his face. You just have to have a short-term memory. Like, you can't let let that get to you mentally. Like, you know you did all the right things. You just have to sit there and take it,
0: which is That crazy. must be – that that has to be, like, a terrible feeling, like, on national TV to know that – it's like it's almost worse to play good defense, too, because you're right there and they say something, to you you're like, damn. Like, I know after the game they'll be like, respect – like, I respect him as a defender, but in the moment they're just like – you can't do shit to me yeah, exactly. <laughs> you try, to be but... on that level would be crazy dude. yeah <laughs> but so I think yeah the Nets we should definitely that's a team that I definitely want to kind of wait and see a little bit more and now with the the whole KD COVID thing who knows I hopefully uh, he quarantines and it ends there but knock on wood nothing else happens there and then Dinwiddie he's out for the year right I, I forgot was so I think so so that sucks but it, Mm. They really do need, yeah, either Shamit or Torian Prince, who, like, I always thought he would be a good three and D player. He just hasn't shown it yet, so maybe this is his his time to shine. You know,
1: yeah, John, he was playing well with the the Hawks mm. before he got traded, and then he kind of just like died when he came on the Nets.
0: Yeah, yeah. In, like the one year, it's like Damari Carroll two point basically. Like, yeah, the Hawks goes to the Nets and just because they and look the 2.0. same. <laughs> They both have, like, the big dreads, too. Yeah, the big dreads. So, hopefully, he proves he's not Damari Carroll. If I was his his coach, like, one of the assistant coaches, that's what I would say to him before the game, like, yo, I heard these dudes saying you might be Damari Carroll 2.0.
1: <laughs> Don't be Damari Carroll. <laughs> I
0: also have faith in Steve Nash, though, too. This is, you know, his first time ever being a head coach of an NBA team. So, let him – he's a point guard, right? Like, we've seen what he did as a player. I'm sure he's just – he wants to get, like – Give him a bigger sample size to work off of. To
1: and he has uh, a lot of experience around him. I think D'Antoni mm-hmm. was hired onto the staff. And he's got Sotomayor, too. <laughs> yeah. So, it's like the redemption of the, the, the seven that's seconds. Awesome. That's like seven. They,
0: you know, if the Nets win a championship with that coaching staff, that's going to be, like, extra special for those guys, those three. Because yeah. they, never, they never won a ring, obviously, with that Suns team. But that will be, like, their their vindication.
2: Exactly, yeah.
0: <laughs> but okay, let's see. I think – so you said the Nets, let me go with, uh. oh, here, the Raptors. I mean, they're one in five right now. Like, I don't know how they're this bad. They're one in six, though. Are they? Oh, yeah, because they lost. Yeah, they were up on the Suns, like, pretty, pretty handily at one point. Man, I don't know what's wrong with them. Like, Siakam even had a good game tonight, finally, and they still lose, given we just mentioned how good Phoenix is. But, like, the Raptors are just missing Gasol and Ibaka and – but that's really it, right? They didn't they didn't lose yeah. anyone else, did they?
1: No. They lost Gasol and Ibaka, and that's all I can really think of right now. Because they re-signed uh, OG mm-hmm. Uh They brought back, you know, Brochier's back, Norman Paddle's back, Terrence Davis back. They brought in Aaron Baines, who had oh, a solid so. season for the Suns last year. He was really, like, just shooting the lights out from three mm-hmm. last year
0: for the Suns. That kind of looks like it was more of, like, a fluke than anything now. Just... He yeah. also has been injured a lot. Yeah, he's only playing twenty minutes per game. Yeah, he's hitting twenty percent of his threes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why they're missing those those two bigs. And then I guess Lowry is Lowry still is Lowry. Like you know what you're gonna get from him. Van Vliet still is gonna do his thing. I guess it really is just I think Father Time's
1: catching up to Lowry. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can't be you can't be elite, you know, your whole career. Eventually you're gonna start to take a downturn, so I don't, you know, I like Van Fleet as a player, but is he gonna? Is he really like a number one option or a number two option? I don't think so. Um, Pascal Siakam, he's your number one option, but I think he should be a, a number two option on a championship team, like we seen with when Kawhi was there. Hopefully, Siakam uh, improves a bit, but yeah, I'm looking at this team and I just don't see. I see a big hole in their center position with Aaron Baines and Alex Lynn. Yeah, those are guys who do not strike fear into def- uh, into opposing players,
0: offense or defense. Like you don't yeah, really yeah. have been, Yeah, I, and Boucher has been playing center for them, and like he's been good. But I mean, if you go up against Embiid or Anthony I mean, Davis, like
1: you get body know. against Embiid. Dude. He's real thin. <laughs> yeah, he's got a crazy wingspan, but he's real thin. He'll get bodied
0: right yeah like that wingspan isn't going to help when Embiid just hits you with two drops like a drop step and you're under the basket and he's just dunking yeah so it's tough. this is like you know nick nurse everyone says he's the best coach in the league and i definitely think he's a really good coach so let's let's see it you know
1: <laughs> yeah i mean you know there's not even if you just look at the roster there's not much to work with honestly like, you don't look at this roster and say oh yeah that's a team that's going to contend for a championship
0: mm-hmm. I just didn't like, I just thought they were going to be, you know, solid. I guess there's always – remember this was the thing with the Spurs always. Like, even after uh, Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker were gone, and Kawhi, it's always like – I feel like I always thought they were going to be a little bit better just because it's – I was like, it's the Spurs. Like, yeah. they'll figure it out, you know. And then sometimes it's like they just don't have the players. But, the I mean, they still have solid guys. I think they'll finish – they're going to be a team also that, like – if they make, let's say they even worst case get like the ten seed, and they so they they make the playoff tournament, and they they're gonna be like a a, a Cinderella team in the playoff tournament or the play-in tournament. I could see that.
1: <laughs> I don't, you know, the thing is, with without Kawhi, they're they went back to the to the Raptors that were with the days of Kyle Lowry and DeRozan. Kind of like they struggled. They struggled against uh, Boston. Mm-hmm. If Oda OGN and newbie doesn't make that game winner, they're down three oh and they probably get swept. Yeah. So
0: actually. That was like one it. of the craziest shots. So they're they're another team that's yeah, like that changes our perspective probably going into this season if they get swept or, you know, lose four one to Boston. But I think they'll figure some things out. I think also from last year, uh Siakam started out the season super well and he I mean he finished with he was averaging 23 a game for the whole year, and that number was definitely higher for, like, the first half of the season. This year, he's not even at 18. So, you know, that's a, that's a five-point difference there from yeah, the guy who should be. He looks like he has to be your number one right now. So,
1: Yeah, do you believe, though, that he could be a number one on a championship team?
0: No, yeah. I don't think they're a championship team, though, even, like, at their best-case scenario this year. Um, but I thought they were going to be you know, five, six range, honestly. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Now, now it's like seven, maybe at the best case. Like, maybe they could get back to six.
1: I mean, it's still a long season. So yeah. We can definitely get six or seven because the East, East is pretty, like, they've gotten better. Like, one of the teams that has improved was the Hawks, too. Like, mm-hmm. I think the Hawks will make the playoffs. Yeah. Well,
0: that's the thing, though, is like the East definitely, like, the middle of the East has improved a lot, and that makes it harder for the Raptors to move up to that, like, 6-7 range because those teams are, like, they're not pushovers anymore. Like, you play the Cavs, like, they're at least, when Garland's healthy, like, they're at least, a, you know, a team that you have to take seriously. You mentioned yep. the Hawks. We talked about the Knicks already, like, the Magic. It's not going to be an easy uh, climb back into that middle tier.
1: Yeah, it's crazy even looking at the standings now. Like, the Heat are outside the playoffs. <laughs> the Raptors are outside the playoffs.
0: Even then, same thing with, with the West. Like, right now, the Mavericks, Nuggets, Rockets – wouldn't make it I'm sure it does it'll change but now I I mean I love this playing tournament idea because now when you're the 11 or 12 even 13 14 seed you're not completely out of it you know like at least you could compete to to make that tournament
1: yeah yeah that was a good idea that they kept
0: so yeah and it should cut down like now it's going to be harder to tank if you're in one of those positions I mentioned because it's going to be so blatant it's like Dude, you're only two games out of the playing tournament with like eight games left. Why are you shutting down your players? And you guys yeah. come up with some bullshit excuse, like, oh
1: I mean, it was bad like those sixes here when they were blatantly taking. Like you don't wanna watch those games where they're yeah. getting coming out by fifty, forty. So Dude,
0: I, I just actually I read there's a book about that that whole season and uh, it was some player, it might have been like not Drew Holiday, I think it might've been like Ben Simmons or Embiid, one of those guys who was there. It must have been before them, but they were saying like, "You would, like meet a guy who would play one game with you, and then you would never see him again." <laughs> I think they had they had they set the record for like the most different players yeah, on yeah. the roster. So it's like, and it's probably Evan Turner. He's someone who was on those teams. Yeah, it's just like, "Oh, what's up, dude? Like, oh, you're running with us tonight." That's it was like an adult league. It's like, "Yo, wow. this is my friend from work. Like, he says he's good. <laughs> you play with him one game. He's trash. And like, yo, know, tell him not to come back." <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean, it was so blatant. It was so obvious. Like they're yeah. losing every game by thirty. And it's not even <laughs> close in the third quarter.
0: And they have changed like all the the rules to get rid of tanking. I think those that combined with the planned tournament now should make it like. And it's just the amount of talent in the NBA is insane. You know, like even yeah, like we're saying all these really teams that we think are really good are this bad have this bad records. That just shows that there's so much talent on every team. I think.
1: Yeah, every team has – well, not every team has like has a number one option, but there's a lot of superstars in the team mm. in the whole league.
0: I think so. you, you could honestly go – like every team I think you could – actually, maybe besides – even like, like the Thunder, you could still say Shea with like the potential he has. Yeah, he's
2: not there yet, but right, yeah. he might get there,
0: yeah. I, I guess the Pistons – like the Pistons are probably the only team who you can't say because Blake Griffin I think at this point. I had hope that he would get back to – at least a couple years ago Blake formed, but he just yeah. He just looks over the hill. But every other team, like what do you think about or do you have any other disappointing teams or do you wanna we talk about just like some individual players?
1: Uh I wanted to touch on this is really random, but I wanted to touch on the Thunder. Okay. And, uh, I just you know, if you look at their box scores and you see all these young players like Shaggy just uh mm-hmm. Dort and just Baisley, like all playing like starters minutes, and then you see Horford there. Like, why is Horford there? <laughs> the dude is an aging veteran on a super big contract. Like, you know that guy's going to get moved, at the maybe by the trade deadline because he has no business being there in a rebuilding project. That's so I kind of feel bad for him.
0: I think that's actually kind of what we were just talking about. That's like a, a subtle way of tanking because the Thunder don't want to be good this year, but, you know, Horford is still – you can get away with playing him just because you can say like – Oh, you know, we play him these big minutes because he's he's Al Horford. He's a vet. He he has the know how, and then he's putting up terrible numbers. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, it's like, shooting out, like just terribly from the field. And
0: but that's the thing with the Thunder is they're like they're almost a little too good to just full full on tank. Like they they beat the Pelicans tonight. And they're three and four. Like the yeah. <laughs> the Thunder have yeah. The uh, same <laughs> The Thunder have the same record as the Blazers, the Mavericks, the Nuggets, and a better record than the Rockets. I
1: don't hold that against the Rockets because the first couple games they played, they had all those COVID. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're they're probably going to be 13 or 14. Like, there's no way. I I think think – If you look at the roster and – Like, why is George Hill and Al Horford there? No reason.
0: Right. And those are guys who – Like, George Hill, I think there's definitely teams out there who could use – He'll for sure get moved, I would – Guess because there's definitely teams out there who could use a backup point guard like him.
1: Oh yeah, he's a great shooter. I mean, he shot pretty well for the Bucks, and even right now he's shooting pretty well. So I think
0: wasn't he at like fifty percent last year for the Bucks from three?
1: Yeah, I think he was like one of the league leaders of the three pointer.
0: Okay, yeah, forty six. I mean, forty four this year on actually a lot more attempts, dude. I think going back to we started with the Clippers, and you mentioned Reggie Jackson at the very end, dude. Wouldn't that not be a huge upgrade for the Clippers if we could get George Hill as the backup point guard?
1: Definitely, man. I thought Reggie Jackson was going to bring something to the Clippers. The dude (laughs) doesn't look interested. I mean, some of the shots he takes are just questionable at best. I mean, (laughs) he brings literally nothing to them. (laughs) He was barely even playing, getting playing time in the playoff. As a Clippers fan, you're like, oh yeah, we got Reggie Jackson. Like, this guy can ball out and just hasn't shown anything yeah. it's very disappointing
0: I guess the the Clippers probably can't even can they even trade any more picks to the Thunder like how many Jeez. did they give up for Paul George like 73 I think
1: yeah they're like maxed out now yeah, I would, be, would have
0: to do it have to be like a three a three team trade somehow yeah but, uh, but that was just like an example of a team I'm sure there's a lot of other teams you can go through it who the Celtics could definitely use a upgraded a backup point guard there's I think there's a lot of teams
1: yeah, the, George Hill and Al Horford, I expect them to be shopped at the trade, trade deadline, definitely.
0: Yeah, and I think this is this, – I don't even think – when I like when I thought of this a couple of days ago, it might have been a semi-hot take, but now I don't even know if it is at all. But I definitely think that the uh, the Timberwolves are going to finish with a worse record than the Thunder at the end oh, of the really? year. <laughs> even no, though the Wolves are trying to make the playoffs. No, way. I, I think
1: that – I don't know. I don't think the Timberwolves will ever – they have more talent. Say it. Just
0: say but Timberwolves- it. Timberwolves have more talent. They do. But that's, that's the thing. Like, I remember – I mean, okay, so I was watching Timberwolves Clippers and the first five minutes of the game, I was like, you know what? I, like, talked myself into the T-Wolves because, like, oh, obviously we know, you know, with Cat and D'Angelo Russell. But I was like, oh, Malik Beasley, like, he's a he's a good player. Like, oh, Jarrett Culver's only, what, 22? Like,
2: yeah.
0: Anthony Edwards looks good. Like, oh, you know, they got – they have some stuff here. And then by the end of the game, it was like a 30-point blowout. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. wait. <laughs>
1: Well, I, you have to think like for as much as uh, Cat is a good offensive player, he gives up just as much on, on the defensive end. Yeah. So.
0: Same with same with uh, D'Angelo Russell too.
1: Exactly. That's just a recipe for disaster.
0: It's like there's so many teams. We're we're talking about the talent in the NBA. Maybe we're just mostly talking on the offensive side of the ball. It's well, definitely not
1: the same on defense. Super underrated now, just because uh, offenses are on steroids. Like you mm-hmm. expect every team to score over like 110 points a game now. Yeah, you know, five, ten years ago, you'd be happy if your team scored, like, 105 points.
0: But then, that's the thing that, like, teams don't – I don't know why they don't look far enough ahead. Like, look at who wins – not even just who wins the championship every year, but think about who's in the finals. Like, Lakers and Heat. Lakers had the best defense in the league. Heat are right there. Uh, And then, year before that, the Warriors always had one of the best defenses in the league. Warriors-Raptors, like, probably two – of the top four defenses like it's always the teams with the best defense like when has a team that just outscores everybody won a ring like
1: never yeah even like those back to the lakers uh celtics rivalries mm-hmm. like uh when kobe was playing against cool. the big three those were a defensive slugfest like yeah. you go watch game seven where the lakers won that year like they were scoring like under 90 points both so
0: because think about just the, the individual defenders you had in those teams. Like Kobe was a ridiculous defender. And then you have Ron Artest. Gasol was a really good defender. Bynum, like Ariza, and then the Celtics were just loaded. Like they had Tony Allen on that team. Obviously Rondo. Yeah. Ray Allen's a good defender. KG, like Perkins. Yeah, it was just defenders all over the place.
1: Yeah, it was, there's a lot more uh, bigger bodies too because mm-hmm. usually nowadays the centers are more small. And then you're you're basically your power forward is like a small forward. Yeah. Whereas back then you were playing Perkins with Garnett, and that's just and too Bynum big. with Gasol. Yeah, like, that's a clogged up paint. <laughs>
0: that's why I do. It was kind of cool to see last year the teams like the Lakers go Javale or Dwight starting with Anthony Davis. It's like okay, this kind of is like, like, like a paying homage them. paying homage to uh the yeah the like early two early to mid two thousand teams where it's like. We got two seven footers. What's up? <laughs> and they would kill it on the glass too. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. Just let's end with uh, what 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 are some of the rookies? You don't have to say like who is your favorite for rookie of the year or anything right now, but if you if you have one, go ahead. But what have you thought about some of the some of the rookies that you've watched so far?
1: Mainly, I've had my eyes on Lamelo. Okay, I feel like everyone has, mm-hmm. and he just seems so much more smooth than his brother. <laughs> um. If he's like he's not afraid to shoot it either. That's another thing. I think with Lonzo, he would hesitate. LaMelo is more, uh, much more free-flowing. Some of the passes that he was making were Magic Johnson-like, even in the preseason. Uh, the shooting's going to hopefully come around eventually in his career. Um, but I like – he has a qu- pretty quick release. I feel like he can get his shot off whenever he wants. And he's a willing passer as well. So I think – I would look for him to basically get into the starting lineup within a couple weeks from now because he's been balling out and uh, Devontae Graham has has not been playing well, so I feel like he could just slide into that starting point guard position and have Rozier play the shooting guard. And uh, if the Hornets make a run for the playoffs, then I I could easily see him winning rookie of the year.
0: Yeah, I think – I actually think he would be my favorite for Rookie of the Year right now just because all this, like, the production that we've already seen and then also what you mentioned where there's definitely a a path to him, you know, finishing the season as the starter starting point guard for the Pelicans because I was watching – they beat the Hawks tonight. And that's a good win. And uh, I think – I don't know what Graham's final numbers were. I can try and bring them up. But he at one point he was, like, 1 for 12 from the field. Uh, he finished 2 for 14. So, yeah, not – not much better than one for twelve, but uh, yeah. And I was thinking, like, watching the end of the game with Graham in and Lamelo on the bench, like, why not just put Lamelo out there? Because he, yeah, I think he just offers more in terms of playmaking. And then you have Lamelo Ball and uh, Gordon Hayward, like that's two really exciting uh, playmakers who could score but can also set other people up. And like,
1: yeah.
0: Lamelo also what, like, six eight, six seven.
1: Yeah, that's the thing with Lamelo is scary is because of his height. Um, yeah. It's such a hard matchup for uh, shorter point guards to guard. And he just has those things where you can't teach, like, the intangibles of the game, the feel for the game. Like, if you're already having that as a rookie, there's nowhere to go but up. Mm-hmm. And he already has the confidence as well. So That's for sure. <laughs> I think he's a much more well-rounded player than uh, Lonzo was his rookie year.
0: Yeah, and then even, like, his shooting isn't – not... I mean – field goal percentage numbers not great but i think his 3 point for shooting it's like i think it's about league average like right around there um and we've seen like lonzo shot has improved a lot and uh, so why you know why wouldn't lamelo be able to improve also uh, at least at that you know just with like the, the set set 3 point shot and like on defense he's not he's not going to be you know locking anyone up but he is Kind of similar to Alonzo, where he like is really good at playing passing lanes, like jumping passing lanes to get steals, and just again with him being six seven six eight, it's hard to pass over him. You know, like he can get his get his uh, he can tip a lot of passes and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. Like that's what I always liked about kind of those players where they look like they not they're not playing defense, and then they just play the passing lanes and get a fast break dunk a fast break layup. Just it looks so easy for him because he knows instinctively where the ball's going to go. No. I like, wonder if that's
0: if that's like part of being a really good passer yourself, is you can kind of like anticipate where other people are going to pass, something like
1: that. Definitely possible, yeah. But he does have the tools to be a good on ball defender. I mean, mm-hmm. for his length, he can definitely uh, contest shots and uh, just bother be a nuisance, especially if he's going to be bigger than every other point guard he's guarding.
0: So, yeah yeah he's he's a and he's just like fun to watch and it seems like it seems like his teammates like him which makes sense when he's just you know throwing perfect dimes to you and dude uh this might be like one of the most underrated or just like small scale stories of the season that i've noticed is Lamelo ball to uh to miles bridges alley oops are just fucking awesome to watch like they're ridiculous like both the passes that lamello throws and then Miles Bridges has bounce, and, like, yeah. he just floats in there. And some of the, yeah, the lobs that they've had, the connections they've had have been crazy.
1: Yeah, and that's what Miles Bridges has been missing. He needs that point guard mm-hmm. who can just sense sense the lu just coming out of nowhere or from half court, you know, just mm-hmm. lob it up, kind <laughs> yeah. of like uh, what Lonzo and uh, Zion have.
0: Yeah, that's funny. Like, for Thanksgiving or Christmas when the ball the Ball brothers get back together, they'll be, like, comparing who had the better – who had the better full court lobs? <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: I mean, uh, that's. I mean, that's what what those players need. Those gifted passers like Lonzo and Lamelo, they need those just absolute uh, athletic freaks mm-hmm. to just beat them. And it's beautiful to watch.
0: Yeah, they see like if those guys Zion or Bridges just gets like a f- step of separation, boom, the ball's right there. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it just runs in the in the ball family bloodstream. Um, <laughs> Okay, we could just end with who – give me your top – so just rank your top three teams right now if you had to bet on who's winning the championship. Just don't factor in, like, injuries or potential trades, which is right now from what you've seen so far.
1: Okay. Um, I'd probably have to go with the Lakers, number one, just because they're the reigning champs. And I feel like they at least – Stayed the same over the offseason. I mean, you kind of replace uh, Dwight or Javel with Marcus Saul. And Marcus Saul is more of an instinctive player. And he's, a, he's still a great defender at his age. And I like the addition of Montrez Harrell. So, yeah, I'd have to say that uh, they'd have to be number one, definitely. And then behind them, I mean, I, I'm going to have to go with the Clippers. I can't say that with confidence, but <laughs> I, they have the talent that, that's there. I just hope that they don't choke again. And maybe Doc Rivers was the problem, you know, the man who blows 3-1 leads. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi definitely should be number two. And then number three, I would say...
0: This is where it gets tough, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say the Bucks. I'd probably say the Nets, honestly. The Bucks haven't proved it yet, and I don't know if Giannis can really step up in the playoffs. So I'm just going to go with the Nets just because of that potential there. Like they could be just a, a freight train at the end of the season where everything's clicking and you do not want to play them in the playoffs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they just have all those weapons. They could be definitely scary. Even if they just become just good at defense, their offense can carry them.
0: Right. They don't even have to be, we're not saying they have to be like top 10, but just be like average, you know, like, 15th, 14th in the league yeah. on defense.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, those are my top three.
0: All right. Well, okay, I mean, my top two are the same, Lakers, Clippers. Uh, the thing with the Lakers, just really quick, I want to bring up, this is what's scary about their regular season is that they're – what do we say their record was? They're 6-2, and two, so tied for what would be tied for the best record in the West right now. And that's on cruise control. LeBron, he's averaging 32 minutes per game. And uh, AD is at, what's, Anthony Davis is averaging 33. So, like, those dudes aren't even playing, really, you know? Like, their numbers are still good. So, just imagine that in a playoff series when LeBron can go 38, 40 minutes. Like, that's scary, giving him, giving both those guys a whole season of rest. And then they're letting all the other, you know, the new additions that you mentioned, Schroeder included, who's, who's starting, which I don't know if I like that as a Laker fan, but whatever, I mean. He's a good player. Um for them. Yeah, it's it's like yeah, there's definitely a lot more, yeah, like volatility on this team compared to last year's team. With uh that sounds weird to say considering that Dwight Howard was on the team last year, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Schroeder and Harrell, like, I mean, I like them. Just what I've seen him so far, and Harrell seems like he enjoys playing on the Lakers, even though his numbers are down, you know, a lot compared to Sixth Man of the Year winner last year but I think he likes winning and I think he's someone that like he really heard all the noise around people blaming him partly for the Clippers collapse just because he he wasn't great but there's a lot of you know circumstances around that Um, Clippers I still have to have second just because I know I know they choked last year but like they were also up 3-1 against the Nuggets and blew a bunch of big leads so it's like it's not like they just got destroyed right like yeah they're good enough to be up, and I just yeah, they're just they just have too much talent, um, man. So yeah, that third team it is. Mine's gonna be from the East also, but I was yeah I was debating between Nets, Bucks, and Sixers because the Sixers look for real, but they've also just
1: they don't trust. I don't trust uh, Doc Rivers coaching.
0: <laughs> no, I was gonna say that'd be funny if you said. You had the Clippers there because maybe Doc Rivers was the problem. And then that would be funny if you just went. And then my third team is the (laughs) sixth. I got to be at least consistent. (laughs) Coached by Doc Rivers. (laughs) But they are, they just look good. I I do need to see them play a good team because let's see. They're, yeah, they've beaten the Wizards twice, Charlotte twice, Orlando, Toronto, and the Knicks, who like we've said, we've talked about all those teams. Like none of those teams are really, you know, elite competition. Now, they do play the Nets tomorrow night. And then on Saturday, they play Denver. And then they have a doubleheader with Miami next week, Tuesday and Thursday. So I'm going to wait to say the Sixers. So I'm not going to say them yet. Man, I like the Bucks honestly. I know they're, they don't look great now, but I just think they have to figure out. It's a whole, you know, the new point guard kind of a whole, they're trying to change a lot of stuff up. I just like Drew Holiday too much. Like I think he's going to really help once they get into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, Drew Holiday is a, Definitely an upgrade from Bledsoe, especially in the playoffs because Bledsoe can't shoot for crap in the playoffs. So,
0: And Bledsoe is – he is still a good – he's a good regular season player. So that's yeah. why I'm not too, like, worried about them not having the greatest regular season record right now. Um, but, yeah, playoffs. I think – so Drew Holiday. I think he's going to be an upgrade over Bledsoe, but also I think he's going to help Middleton a lot because they could – Middleton doesn't always have to be the second option. You know yeah. what I mean on offense? Like Led Bledso- or uh, Holiday can do that a few games and let Milton because he obviously we've seen he doesn't he doesn't really thrive when he has to like if Giannis isn't going off like Milton has to score thirty or forty like that that hasn't worked out for them so
1: yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't say Middleton's like a number two option you should rely on it for a mm-hmm. championship team so yeah if they can alternate between two and three like between Drew Holiday and Middleton that's a good point.
0: That should definitely alleviate the stress off of Giannis. Call it like like a Middleton can be the 2A option, Holiday can be 2B. So it's like yeah. interchangeable. And now I feel bad leaving out the Pacers, but I just can't do it yet. Like, I don't know. That would be my super hot take if I had to like – but can you, just, can you see the Pacers? Could they be like last year's Miami Heat?
1: Uh, I don't see it, honestly. I don't see it.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, not they, yet.
1: Are you even disrespecting the Heat by not even – Definitely. Like, them, oh, yeah, like, definitely.
0: <laughs> and then we haven't even mentioned the Celtics either. Yeah, I don't we talked about the Celtics at all, but I don't I don't think they're I think they're a little worse than they were last year. The Celtics? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think well Kemba's out with that injury, right? So
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh
1: I still think there's gonna be progression from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I think even Jalen Brown's leading the team in scoring right now. Mm-hmm. So that I mean, he played pretty well in the playoffs last year. He was hitting some tough shots for them. So Jalen Brown's really a legit player.
0: Yeah, so, he, he's been. Dude, his his uh his scoring numbers are crazy, but his shooting percentages are like obviously not going to maintain the whole year, but they're like insane. Like yeah. I think like fifty eight percent from the field or something crazy like that. Like, yeah, yeah, that's so, true. They're a team that's right there. You know, there'd be I have like yeah, Boston, Miami, and then I don't know if I have anyone else in the West though. Right, like like contender
1: wise for championship. Yeah, I don't know. No, I wouldn't say. I mean, I I could say a deep sleeper is the Mavericks just because yeah. of how tough they played the Clippers, because uh Porzingis was missing like a lot of that series. So if Porzingis comes back, they're a scary team, honestly, because Doncic that's that's no one can guard him.
0: That's true. I think. Yeah, I guess that's my hesitation is Porzingis just always gets gets hurt, which sucks because yeah. yeah, we saw when they had him with him and Luca. That's like it's scary. yeah, that becomes a really it's a scary, scary
2: team,
0: scary. Yeah. man. We just need Porzingis to stay healthy because that dude is awesome. I forgot how good he was seeing him when he came back last year. I was like, oh, oh, that's right. This dude is seven three, but can also shoot from from anywhere. <laughs>
1: yeah, like he wants those deep threes too, and it's it, it's extremely tough to guard. Yeah, so they got shooters all around. Uh, mm-hmm. Luca as well. I mean, Hardaway chips in.
0: Finney um, Smith is like, yeah, they got good uh, surrounding players. So okay, we'll wrap this episode up there. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ball Till You Fall podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, please like, rate, subscribe, follow, download, all the above. Uh, we're honestly we're gonna keep releasing episodes even if you guys don't do any of the above. But it'll just make us feel better about ourselves if we see that people are listening and you know downloading and basically just enjoying the episodes. So be a nice person today. Uh, please spread the word. Uh, The world needs more nice people out there. So just search Ball Till You Follow podcasts on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or basically just anywhere that you listen to podcasts out there. Again, we really appreciate the support and we'll talk to you next episode.